From minimum wage to six-figure incomes, high school diplomas to PhDs, this podcast is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm Allie, and this is Employed. You don't realize until you're a flight attendant, I guess, people are on planes for the biggest events of their lives, whether it be good or bad. They're going to funerals, they're going to weddings, like just some really big things that people are traveling to when they hop on a plane. It makes me happy knowing that at least maybe I could have for a second helped someone is that people have confided in me. Thank you so much, Janiam, for coming on to the show today. I'm so excited to talk with you and learn a little bit more about this field that many of us have heard about, but we don't exactly know what your day-to-day and lifestyle might look like. So if you can go ahead and just introduce yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Janiam Brimhall. Um, I'm 25 and I currently work as a flight attendant and I'm based out of Phoenix, Arizona. I also grew up in Phoenix, so it worked out perfect for me. That's where I'm based and that's my, my home base. Why did you want to become a flight attendant? So for the longest time, I, I didn't. I had no intentions on being a flight attendant. When I graduated from high school, I went to a community college and got my associate's degree. And then my plan from there was originally to go be a dental hygienist. So I was about to apply to their program through that community college. And I got a job at a dental office um, to kind of get the feel of things and to put my foot in the door. Um, And just pretty quickly, it was evident to me that that wasn't going to be for me. And so I started freaking out because for the past four years, that was my plan. so honestly, I just tried to think of what, what part of my job did I enjoy? And I really enjoyed being with people. I really enjoyed talking to people. I like communicating and being surrounded by them. So it's like, okay, so customer service would be a great job for me, but I didn't want to do retail or like, I don't know, anything like that. So I was trying to think of anything. And my sister actually brought it up and said, you know, it would be really cool, especially right now in this phase when you're not really sure is go be a flight attendant. And I was like, I've never considered that, but how cool would that be? And yeah, right then I was like, oh yeah, I'll just do it for a little bit and it will be fun and I'll get flight benefits and whatever. And now it's, it's turned into a lot more than that. So what type of training or education or experience is required to become a flight attendant? A lot of these questions, I'm going to say it depends on the airline because it does. There's different requirements and different um, jobs and expectations for each. So there are some airlines that do require um, 21 and older, but there are some airlines that you only have to be 19 for and have a um, high school diploma or GED, something similar. Besides that, any kind of training for the flight attendant position they will provide you. So that's really all the basis that you need. Um, They also are always looking for customer service is a great thing to have on your resume, but it's not necessary. So that's really all you need to, to be able to apply. And then once they hire you on, it is their job to send you to their facility and to have a training. Typically, they're somewhere to four to six weeks. Um, They ship you out, they pay for your um, hotel, sometimes they pay a stipend, sometimes they don't, again, it depends. Um, And then they go put you through a training process where you'll pass all the tests that you need to pass all the evacuation drills that you need to. 
And at that point, then you're allowed to get on the line and go out and actually fly on planes. But you do have that little period of time where you're doing all the um, necessary requirements to get your certification to be a flight attendant. But that doesn't happen until after um, you are hired. And is that training pretty rigorous? Is it something that's easily uh, something you can fail out of? What's the percentage of people that actually get through after that? Right. I think it depends. I think some people had a harder time with it than others, just like anything else. It is pretty rigorous. For those few weeks, you are in a classroom for all hours of the day. It's a lot of information. They're trying to squeeze everything they can into there. So the tests aren't hard. It's not like crazy hard information. It's just the fact that it's packed into a lot. You learn a lot and you take a test every few days to make sure that you're getting this information. And then some people also weren't a fan of evacuation drills and things like that you have to do in front of a crowd of people. So that's a little intimidating for people. I think we lost, I want to say like six or seven people during the process. And I think there was 40-ish of us. And again, that depends wherever you get hired, it can fluctuate, it can be a really small class, a really large class. So I say most people definitely, it's hard, but it's four weeks. It's four weeks, you rock it out, you focus. And I think anybody, anybody is capable of doing it. So so after that, that training, that four week training, does that mean you're certified for life? Do you have to do that again every few years? How does that work? Right. So we have what's called a recurrent. Um, and to be able to make sure that you're up to par and remembering all that information, you do have to go once a year, at least for my company, you have to go once a year back to a similar training, not nearly as long and not nearly as rigorous, but you go for a couple days. And you go back to that same training facility and go over the information. And then also, in addition to that, they do send you um, a virtual course that you have to complete also before you go there. So you have a little work on your own. So it's similar. You go through all the information and you take quizzes to make sure that you're answering all these questions correct. And then you show up and have a little more training, do the evacuation drills to make sure you're up to date. And that happens once a year. Let's talk a little bit about... The demographics. So you mentioned that your cohort was about 40 people. What were, was there more of a a gender that was dominant and what were the age ranges that you found? Yeah, I I love that part about this job because I, it's everywhere, just every kind of person there. You'll see a lot of young girls who just want travel benefits, honestly, and (laughs) I don't blame them and it's a fun job. So you'll see a lot of single young women However, you'll see lots, there are plenty of males too that do it. And then I have worked with 65 plus year old women. Also, there's a lot of like retired uh, women and males too that do it. It's just kind of all across the board. So what is the range of salary that someone can typically expect to make? Of course, it's all dependent on where you're at, who you work for. Um, And then how does pay work? I mean, are you paid an annual salary no matter the hours or is it based on the flights you take? Yeah, yeah. This is, um, that's a really good question because flight attendants are paid very differently than you would think. It depends very much on which airline you work for. Um, I would say at the beginning, you can expect, I would say a fair number. Honestly, it's pretty low. The first couple years are typically hard in regards to salary. 
I would say you can expect somewhere from 20 to 25,000 in your first year. For every airline that I know of, every year has a pay increase every single year. It's part of the contract. It doesn't stay stagnant. So you are an increasing every single year. Flight attendants get paid per flight hour or per flight mile, depending on which company you work for as well. So once that door is closed all the time that people are boarding and you're doing all your safety check, whatever, you're not technically getting paid your actual hourly rate. So once that door gets closed and you're up in the air, and then once you come back down, then you're getting paid an hourly rate. So you're getting paid per flight hour. Then also, while you are at the hotel or other times you're away from base sitting um, away, you're getting what's called a per diem, which is um, a set rate that is a lot lower than your hourly rate, but it's to help pay for um, your food and things like that while you're away from your base. So you also get paid that, which ends up, and it's non-taxed, which is awesome. So it ends up being a pretty big portion of my checks, honestly. As a flight attendant, what types of benefits come along with that aside from pay? Absolutely. That's one of the biggest perks um, is flight benefits. So disclaimer again, depends what company you work for. I have to say it. So right now um, I basically can fly on almost, I'd say almost any airline. You do have to pay an annual fee depending on the airline it's with. Um, But besides that, then at that point, you do have free travel benefits. So for instance, anywhere within the US is virtually free. And then I went to Australia almost two years ago. And my one way to get over there, they do pay, you have to pay the taxes and fees for things like that. And my one way over there, I believe was $75. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) To get all the way to Australia and then 75 on the way back. Obviously you have to pay for, there was a visa thing I had to pay for too, but the flight itself was $75 to get over there, which is just crazy. For most airlines that I know of, you also either they do buddy passes, which you can give out to many different people, or in my case, you have specific people you can list on your flight benefits that get similar flight benefits to you. They're kind of changing things up recently. So they do typically have you pay for the taxes. Um, So right now going somewhere within the US, typically the people that are on my flight benefits would pay about... $20 to $30 per leg. Yeah. So if you wanted to fly from here and had a straight flight to Washington, DC, and you didn't have to stop anywhere, that would cost you 30 bucks to get over there. Yeah. That's, that's a huge, huge, huge perk. Um, And then also I would even recommend to people, if you aren't really sold on the flight attendant lifestyle, There are other opportunities within um, working just for an airline in general that can also get you flight benefits if that's really what you're after. I know lots of people that work on the ramp. So you see the baggage people Mm -hmm. that are taking um, those things on and off or people that are stocking the aircraft or cleaning the aircraft. Um, A lot of times they also can get flight benefits. Definitely do your research on it, but um, I know lots of people that do that and get to go home at the end of the night and still receive a lot of those flight benefits. So definitely look into that too, if you're interested. (laughs) What are your typical work hours pre-COVID? I don't know if they've been affected at all. Um, Yeah. Do you, is your schedule (laughs) generally set in stone? Do you really know what tomorrow looks like? 
Um, for me, it is. And that's what a perk that I love. Um, I work for a regional airline, um, which means our company is really owned by one of the bigger ones. So I, there's a lot less people that work for that. And it's a lot easier to gain seniority and with a regional airline because there's not nearly as many people. So there's what's called um, reserve schedule when you first get on as a flight attendant, or it can happen for years. It again, just depends where you have a set of days that you are on call. And there's two different kinds of on call for the most part. It's when you're sitting at home and they can call you and you have an hour and a half to get to the airport or where you can be sitting at the airport called ready and you're just ready to go. You're in your uniform, you have all your stuff. You're just sitting waiting in case they something happens and they need to use you. So for that, you really have no idea how much you're going to work or how much you're not going to work. So, um, but I haven't done that for a little bit, luckily, because like I said, I work for a smaller company. And so I've had um, what's called a line, meaning I have my whole month schedule in advance. So I know exactly where I'm going, exactly what days I'm working for a whole month, which is really nice. Um, And so typically once I get a line for me right now, it looks like usually I have about three or four days off and then my trips are always four days. That's not the case for every trip, but all of my trips are four day long. So I will be gone for three overnights and then come home on a fourth day. And then after that, I usually have three or four days off. Some people like to work the system and they work a lot in the first two weeks and then have the second two weeks of the month just off. They don't. The hours are a little confusing as it's not a typical job where you say, I work a 40 hour work week. Our flights don't work like that throughout the month. I usually try to stay around 75 to 80 flight hours per month. That doesn't mean I'm only working 80 hours. That just means that's my flight hour time, my hourly wage. And then besides that, I'm gone at random cities, random places throughout the week. So I usually work 16 days of the month, 15, 16, and I'm usually off 15, 16-ish, something like that. Do you feel like this this type of schedule this these work hours do you think that allows for a work-life balance I I really do I understand that the first little bit takes some getting used to um, because people aren't used to being gone for days at a time for their job that is a big adjustment to make however now that I'm um, in, into it and I have a line I that's one of the biggest perks to me honestly I tell people all the time I can't imagine going back to a nine to five type job ever again because yes you're gone for four days at a time but I'm also off right after that for four days at a time and I and you can get rid of even more of your trips if you want people are always picking up shifts picking up flights you really don't have to work very often. Like I said, I work 15 days. So I have half the month off almost every single month. (laughs) And that's just really unheard of for a lot of different kinds of jobs. So that's one of my favorite things. Plus a big perk of this is that some days you're done at 10 AM and you are in a different state, a different city, whatever, but you're done at 10 AM. So I spend my day hot tubbing out at the hotel pool or me and my crew go out to dinner or we go bowling or we just do something that doesn't feel like you're working. (laughs) So honestly, a lot of them feel like little mini 
vacation. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's the best quality of life. I really do. Do you fly the same routes every week or are you going to a different place every single time? Mm -hmm. So our, my flights are different constantly. Um, There are overnights or places that we stay that are the same. So I do stay in the same places often. However, the days are constantly different. People think we do the same little turns back and forth Mm -hmm. constantly, but we don't. So like I'm looking at my schedule for this next week. I go to Boise, then to Dallas, then to Birmingham, and then I stop in Birmingham the next day, go back to Dallas, and then go to, I don't even know where this is. That's a new one. (laughs) Yeah, it changes every single day. Um, I do stay in similar places sometimes, but besides that, I, it changes constantly. So you, you mentioned, you know, sometimes this feels like a mini vacation because you're, you're going out with the other flight attendants to eat dinner or go bowling. Do you fly with the same flight attendants often? Like, are you able to make a, a core group of friends in this field? You absolutely can. Um, you, I will say you do not fly with people that often you can, there's ways to work the system for us. You can ask to get on flights with specific people. And that works out for some people. If you have a BFF in the company, you're kind of golden, you can often work with them. However, if that's not the case, you show up to every trip. And for those four days, you are with oftentimes just a whole set of strangers. (laughs) You, a lot of times you don't know them. Um, The longer you stay, obviously, the more you get to know people they know the lifestyle. And so it's, it's fun to make friends within your company and be able to go on trips. And okay. Can you walk me through an average day at your job from the time that you arrived to the airport to the time you, you head home? Typically, since I said I'm based out of Phoenix, I will show up to the airport, go park my car, go straight to the terminal and then go straight to my gate, which I'm leaving out of that morning. I will check in with the gate agent that's there and then go down to the aircraft. This is always happening 45 minutes prior to departure time. We have to be there. Being on time is very important in that job for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons. So I get down to the aircraft and I will do my checks, my safety checks. There's um, equipment down there that I need to make sure is up to par I check the bathrooms, check all the seats, make sure everything is good to go in the cabin. And then once everything's ready for that, then they send the people down. That's when we do boarding. I'm sure everyone is familiar with that process. Um, We help put up bags if people need. We answer questions. We help people find their seats, all that good stuff. Um, And then we'll close the door and we'll take our flight. Once you're up in the air, again, most people know um, during COVID things are a lot different, but typically we will go through the cabin and give out drinks and snacks. And that actually, I will say that can get pretty stressful. You wouldn't think it would, but it, if you have an hour flight and 70 people oh, wow. to get through, it's, it can get tricky. So, so we'll do that. Make all of our announcements too. You have to be really comfortable with um, talking in front of people because you will be making those announcements overhead, um, doing the safety demonstrations as well. And then we'll land, deplane everybody. There's not much that goes along with that. Just be greeting people as they are getting off. And and usually the average for us, for my company, is around three to four flights a day is the normal. Sometimes I have one, sometimes I have five. But usually it's about three or four flights a day. 
and the hours definitely depend and then we'll get done the fun part that most people don't know about once we're done wherever city we are that night we get a hotel room which doesn't come out of our pocket or anything it's just automatically taken care of by the company we get off our plane after we clean it and make sure everything's okay get off the plane bring all of our stuff and there's a hotel shuttle waiting for us and we get on the shuttle and they take us straight to the hotel and then we're there for the rest of the night the day however long we're there and we can do basically whatever we want and that time you're you're at your home for the night and then um, you'll wake up in the morning or afternoon whenever your next flight is the next day and do it all over again the hotel shuttle will take you back and you do the same thing and then end up in a different city (laughs) until you get home (laughs) you know depending on when you guys arrive to each city each night do you feel like you ever get time to explore whatever city you're in or are you guys usually just so exhausted it's so late at night that you don't see much No, there are definitely times. There are some times when, yeah, I, there's only a 10 hour overnight and all I want to do is it was a long, hard day. I want to get in my bed and I want to sleep for the full, (laughs) the full time I can. So there are definitely those days, but there are absolutely days that you can go explore, that you can go check out the city, especially at the beginning, you're super excited. And so I did it constantly when I first got hired, every single city I went out and at least walked around or got an Uber to go downtown or so you absolutely there's plenty of overnights that have time to do all of that but typically once you get used to it and kind of are used to the lifestyle a lot of people will just hang out at the hotel and like I said go down for dinner and um, hot tubbing or if there's something exciting in the area then they'll go do that but I've went on so many adventures I never would have done otherwise with this job so there's plenty of opportunity to go see stuff yeah definitely appeals to those people who just want to travel for free yeah absolutely absolutely what's a really good day that stands out to you in your job that just kind of the verified to you that you were in the right position like I said before I did I did want to find a job that was very uh, involved with people. That's a really big thing of mine. I just, I really enjoy it. And if I was working at a computer and didn't have that interaction, I wouldn't feel as fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So um, one of my favorite things that have happened have just been, you don't realize until you're a flight attendant, I guess, people are on planes for the biggest events of their lives, whether it be good or bad. They're going to funerals, they're going to weddings, they're going to anniversaries, to bachelor parties, to um, concerts, to vacation, like just some really big things that people are traveling to when they hop on a plane. And you don't realize it until you talk to these people. It makes me happy knowing that at least maybe I could have for a second helped someone is that people have confided in me, just a random flight attendant, when they're struggling, I've seen people crying on the plane and just went and talked to them and they open up and tell me they're going to a funeral. Or I had a woman who said she hadn't seen her mother in over 20 years and she was about to go do it because her father was passing away. So she, this was a huge thing for her and she didn't know how to handle it. And I've held hands and held people as they cried and (laughs) and then on the opposite spectrum I've had 
again, weddings and parties and anniversaries where I got to be part of that celebration. People were telling me all their plans, just some really cool people moments that even though I, I knew them for two hours, I knew some of the biggest things happening to them. And I, I don't know, I just think there's something so cool about that, that people are excited to share with you where they're going and what they're doing. And I love it. I think it's, I just, I love talking to people and hearing their experience. So. Oh, that is, that is an awesome perspective that I have never considered. Yeah, I didn't either until I started and was overwhelmed with, (laughs) wow, you really are part of these people's journey to whatever they're going to. So. Okay. So the opposite, what's, what's a bad day that has stood out to you or what's a challenge that you find yourself facing a lot in this profession? I, I would say one of the big ones is what I was talking about earlier when you're on call. Um, that does get pretty frustrating. They are, you, you don't know when you show up to work, where you're going, how long you're working for, and the days can be kind of crazy. So that is a little frustrating at times. However, now with my set schedule, I would say the biggest, the biggest thing for me is delays, cancellations, changes within flight schedules because that means a lot of angry people and that means they don't know who to yell at besides you (laughs) if they're on the plane and we get bad news of we're gonna have to deplane or we're sitting and we're waiting or people are going to miss their connecting flights because of whatever reason um we have obviously no control over any of that we're just there to keep people safe they get real mad and they get frustrated again I try to remind myself people are, there are important things that people are trying to get to so I can understand why they'd be frustrated. It is hard to keep your composure while someone's screaming at you in front of mm-hmm. hundreds of people, but <laughs> those days are, are not often and they don't happen all the time. But I'd say that's probably the most draining part for me is when I do get a bad day of just difficult flights. What's the end goal for someone in this position? Is it generally something that you kind of stay in the same position long-term or are there promotions that people try to work up towards? Right. Um, It works a little differently. So there are different positions, especially within my company. They do hire um, internally for things like instructing positions or um, you have what are called IOE instructors, where when a new flight attendant gets hired, you have to have a senior flight attendant showing you exactly what to do on the actual plane and making sure you're meeting all your requirements once you get to the actual aircraft. So there are instructors for things like that. So there are different opportunities if you're really not loving just the flight attendant life. However, for the most part, I will say, especially for the larger airlines once you get in it is a very coveted position Um, it's hard to get hired um, by some of the bigger ones I'll say and so once people are there I they tend to stay for life (laughs) it's just the job is so fun I feel like most people do end up staying there and then within if you're on the um, larger aircraft that go to different countries I know they do work where there are more senior flight attendants that are getting paid a different wage because they are doing a different Mm -hmm. job within the aircraft, um, working up front and doing specific things. Or I do know they're also same thing with language. If you do know a different language, there can be a different pay within that as well. So 
but for the most part I would say most people stick it out and live the flight attendant life and I don't blame them (laughs) do you always have a suitcase packed and ready to go yes yep it's not pretty but yes I do (laughs) what is in your suitcase what do you always take with you on your trips always have a swimming suit always because I'm one of the people that like to go hot tub or go swim um I have a cute outfit if the crew goes out and then I have a lazy outfit um I always bring my gym shoes and a gym outfit sometimes I don't make it there but I bring it just (laughs) in case I decide to some people will think this is gross whatever I love bringing bath bombs I love taking baths in the hotel I think it's awesome I always have a little facial and I do a spa day. Um, And then I always have some snacks in there, always. (laughs) Having to do with snacks, what's the most popular or most frequently ordered drink? I don't think it's the most popular, but it sticks out to me is the dang Diet Cokes. It drives me nuts. And it's because the Diet Cokes take so much, whatever's in them fizzes so bad. So flight attendants hate pouring (laughs) Diet Cokes because it takes twice as long. So that's what stands out to me is Diet Coke. (laughs) Along the lines of uh, what flight attendants hate, what are little, um, yeah, what are little pet peeves that flight attendants might have in passengers that we should all know? I've had people poke me because they're sitting down and I'm at like my hip area (laughs) is by their face and they will literally poke me to get my attention. Uh, Please don't do that. I can't imagine a different setting where that would be socially acceptable. So I don't know why people do it there. Um, Keep your shoes on would seem like an obvious one, but it's not. Uh, Too many people are taking their nasty shoes off (laughs) on the airplanes and putting them all over the back seats. Speaking up loudly drives me nuts too. I try to be really nice about it because people aren't used to being on planes, but they will whisper their drink order on this roaring metal tube through the sky and I'm like I can't I nope have no idea so then I ask again and they'll whisper again they say water I'm like no I can't <laughs> I'm gonna get you a diet coke if you don't speak up because I don't know what you're saying so that drives me nuts too but for the most part I, I try and be pretty easygoing nothing really bothers me that good much. <laughs> good oh those are all good to know thank you And then one of your favorite cities, I'm sure you have so many. What's one that when you see it on your schedule, you get really excited about? All of our California overnights, I'm a big fan of. So like I said, the um, Burbank Hotel is awesome and in a great location. I love that one. Or also lately we've been having Boise, Idaho overnights, which doesn't sound like it'd be that glamorous for people that know Boise, but (laughs) we are super close to downtown and the hotel there takes us there, which isn't always the case. So that's awesome. And I think it's the cutest little town and that hotel gives us free food, which is always a plus. So that's one of my favorite overnights right now (laughs) is going to Boise, Idaho. So what advice would you give to any listener who is maybe thinking about becoming a flight attendant? Right. Um, There's a lot, but honestly, the biggest thing, the biggest advice I received that really helped me was do it for a year. Hang in there for a year. It is a lifestyle change. I realize that it's it. Some people are not expecting it when they get to it. They think it will all just be fun and no big deal. And there is a lot of those days, but it can get hard. So my advice would be to stay in it for a year because there were points I almost wanted to give up. 
but someone told me that same thing. And so I hung in there and now I'm almost three years into this and I just can't imagine doing anything else. It's for some people. And I realize it's really maybe not. However, give it a real shot, give it your all show up and just love people just go out and, and try and have human connections rather than just being a flight attendant. And I think that's what makes it so fulfilling is to have those moments with people. And that's, what's made it all worth it to me. The flight benefits are great. Getting paid is great, but (laughs) the day to day, I'd say just hang in there, be kind and just stick it out. It gets better. I promise it really does. It becomes the best thing in the world. So a big thank you to Janiam for donating her time to the show. Follow us on Instagram at employed podcast and visit our website, employedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.